Thank you all so much for coming and for learning together with me. Um, we're continuing Chovas Tamidim. And last week we were talking about what it means to uh, channel negative behaviors that we see in students or in our children and how to turn those behaviors and to focus them into positives and how to really have the long-term view of what happens when a trait like that is handled the right way and, and, and treated the right way and looking for the positive, even in things that, um, that lechora that seemingly seem to us as intensely negative. Now you see there's a lot of books on the table tonight as I was preparing, um, don't be scared. But the trait that I wanna talk about, and I think there's a reason that the Piazetsna chooses this trait is the trait of anger, the temper. Um, even from a very young age, when a child throws a temper tantrum, or in school, um, or even teenagers, when you'll hear teachers label a kid and say, well, that's an angry teenager. I am the angry one, right? That's, uh, that's the trait that uh, even the who got it, right? Tommy was angry also. And this trait, it should not be, uh, it should not be overlooked how central, how important the character trait of chaos, of anger is. And I want to just quote to you from... Uh, this is a collection of aphorisms, of sayings of the Kamarna Rebbe. The Kamarna Rebbe was, he has a bunch of names, Rabbi Yechiel, Yehuda, Yitzchak, Isaac, Halevi, Safran of Kamarna. He lived, in the ni- he lived in the early 19th century, and he started an entire Hasidic dynasty. He was renowned for being somebody who had all the Torah open in front of him, but his main job, as he saw it, was to connect Hasidut, this popular movement of bringing God into everyday life, into everyday uh, Judaism to the masses and connecting that with the deepest Kabbalah, the deepest esoteric Jewish wisdom. He writes the following. So this is a collection of his sayings. It's called Otsar HaBracha. And he writes about Ka'as. He writes about anger. And he says something amazing. I'll read it in Hebrew and translate along the way as we've done. He says, Mitzvat Lotase, Rabbeinu Yonah, uh, 13th century Rabbeinu Yonah of Garandi. So he counts a mitzvah. He counts a negative commandment of not getting angry. So he says, Mitzvat Lotase Shalolich Os, this mitzvah, this commandment of not getting angry, he says that the source for this mitzvah is the Torah's commandment of lo yiyabecha el zar. There should not be a foreign god amongst you. It's paganism. Right? So he took this verse that overtly is referring to paganism and he instead <clears throat> says that referring to this foreign god within you, that is the characteristic of anger. That is characteristic of having a temper. Ubemet, and in truth, ka'asu yisod kol ha-Torah. Anger, and dealing with it is the foundation of the entire Torah, of everything that we do as people and as Jews. However, it's not really written explicitly in the Torah. It doesn't say in the Torah, don't be angry. But somebody who reads the Torah sensitively will understand that the Torah is commanding us with all our might to be careful not to get angry, not to have this foreign God, not to have this moment. And like we said last week, that in a moment of anger, if we haven't, dealt with ourselves in the proper way. We haven't treated our psyche the proper way. So anger can lead us to do things that we would never do. If you would ask us, would you throw a punch at a friend? Would you, th- would you, would you go ahead and cut someone off on the highway, do something extremely dangerous in your car? You'd say, of course not. It's, it's tremendous risks, a terrible thing. But all of a sudden when you're angry, all of a sudden when, when you're doing, when, you, when you're in that moment where you're hot, so there's almost nothing. There's nothing in the world that could tell that person to stop. Like we said, it's never worked in the history of the world to tell somebody who's angry who's at the moment, relax, just calm down. It just serves to make them more angry. I had, um, I had a moment in school a few weeks ago uh, where I was called to, uh, to help out with a student who was upset about something. 
and I, and I started to get into how could, how could you do this and giving him a speech and talking to him and, and we're going to call your parents, you know, these threats that, that sometimes, you know, we need to turn to. And I could see in his eyes nothing that I would say in that moment would be accepted by the student. In fact, it was, I could see as I was starting to get into that moment, it was just serving to make the student more upset, to, to, to make him even more irate. And I did something that was against my nature because, of course, I want to demonstrate for the teacher that I'm supporting them properly and I'm giving the proper words, tough words to this kid. And instead, I looked at him and I, talk, I took a big, deep breath. Like, you know, this isn't working. And I said, and I looked at him and I said, what snack do you like? And he looks at me, it was almost like strange. He looks at me, he's like, what? I said, what, what snack do you like? He said, um, I'd like a Twix. And then I said, but today was, um, today was chicken or something. He said, oh, right, 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 right. Um, potato chips? I said, come with me. And I totally stopped the conversation. Whatever, I was in the middle of a speech to him, come with me. We walked to the, um, I was angry, I recognize. I was angry at him. How could you do this to a classroom? How could you do this to a teacher who's trying to help you and, and, and you're all hot and angry? And we just stopped the conversation. We went to the teachers and he said, can I come in? I said, yeah. I got him a bag of Lay's potato chips. I said, here, this is my desk. I could see that you're not able to be in class right now at this moment. I said, do you, need a, do you need a place to calm down? And he looked at me as if I was offering somebody who'd been walking in the desert a glass of water. And his response was, yeah. Right, relief, yeah. I need a place to calm down. And he sat in my office and said, you tell me when you're ready. This isn't a punishment. This is, this is what you need right now. Sat sitting in my, my, my office chair at my desk. I was working at the table in my office. And he got a book from, from his teacher that he had to finish, and he sat there and he read for 45 minutes. 45 minutes. And about 20 minutes, I said, I wasn't even gonna talk to him, I was answering my emails in, my, in the office at the time, and I watched as a smile started to go across his face. And I looked at him at the end of that, I said, are you ready to talk about what just happened right now? And we had the most normal, perfect conversation. I got an email, I said, I'm just gonna email your parents, let them know that you've been here. They're paying tuition, and it's not to sit in my office. But I, I guess they're paying tuition because they want me to care and love for you. And it was one of the best conversations I've had with the student. Chaos, anger, and the way that anger reflects upon other people. And you've seen, you see this all over the place. You see that when one person is angry, it causes another person to be angry. And it's sort of the situation just gets harder and harder and harder and harder until it, it bursts out. And you, and you know, you see that look in people's eyes. This meat of chaos, the Kamarna says, is the sowed of Kolatora, managing anger and learning to deal with anger is not just some ancillary side trait or side thing that you need to deal with. It is the trait. When you learn to handle that, he says that, he says that we know that the laws of prophecy, Maimonides tells us that in order, there are laws of prophecy, Judaism, right? The laws about prophecy. The laws of prophecy say that the Shekhinah, the divine presence, cannot rest upon somebody. Elamitoch simcha, Right? An, an, an equanimity of spirit. And if that's true, that the, divine pro, the, the divine spirit can't rest, you cannot be a prophet, you cannot receive the word of God unless you're in a place where there's no anger. So then, then the opposite is also true. That when a person is experiencing anger, they're experiencing the opposite of godliness. When a person is hot and, and, they're, and they're willing to do anything, I'll cut, I'll cut this person off on the highway. I'm driving 80 miles an hour to cut them off. 
right? We see this every video that comes out from our, you know, from our current zeitgeist. You know, you see, all you have to do is, is go on the internet. People getting angry everywhere. There's a lot of articles written about, about what happened when people first came out during the pandemic, waiting on lines, uh, what happened, the, the number of, of incidents on airplanes, the way that caos, the way that anger seemed to rule and still rules to a certain extent our society. And you realize that what's lying behind anger is everything. What a person's been through, what, how, even how much they've, they've eaten. Psychologists will say sometimes in the very beginning of any sort of session, they'll say halt. Do you guys know what halt is? Are you hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? Once you've solved, once you've talked about those four qualities, then you can really start to get into the work. Do and you that's know the acronym for fine. What's fine? I can't say it. <laughs> oh, I guess so tell me afterwards. Something up, right? Insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Really? Yeah. So that's so you start with halt, and then you end up at fine. Wow. So when you're what when you come home, then and you say, "How are you?" and your wife says, "Fine." Messed <laughs> <laughs> up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Amazing. And it's not an answer. Fine. That, that, it's got to be an army thing because everything in the army is acronyms. No. <laughs> In, in Sahel, everything was acronyms. <laughs> it was, but I, I did not learn that there. All right. That's <laughs> but, that's, but it's true. If when you're angry, when you're experiencing this, it's like, it's the same as if you're thirsty. And, and you need water. And the, so that's, I think, why the PSX, when he talks about the foundational trait of education, I think he's dealing with anger. He's going right to that main thing. We see this all the time. I see kids labeled as it's just an angry teenager. They're angry at God. They're angry at their parents. They're angry at the school. They're angry at their friends. Anger seems to dominate so much of how we describe and label kids. So I think that's why the Piazetzner cuts right to it. So let's start. So he says, Can we even begin? Can we even begin to assess? Can we even understand the kind of benefits that can be extracted by the proper teacher, the minahel, the proper administrator and principal from the kaasan hakatan, or when I was growing up in Yiddish, a kaisen, right? Kaisen, kaisen, just angry at the world, right? Can we understand the power of reframing this kind of a negative, deleterious behavior? It can be, actually be a superpower. When you see a child that has that kind, that could get that hot, that could get that angry, they're actually containing within them a superpower. It's not always easy. It's easier said than done. It's easy in this moment when we're calm and we're relaxed to talk about it. But can we even understand how great this? When you channel that anger, you channel that temper into something positive. And here he says, into service of God, to give it over to Hashem and to his nation, to the world, to the Jewish people. That's where greatness comes from. That's where real accomplishment comes from. There's a reason that, that when I talk about, uh, right, I hear about a student who's gone to Israel, is learning yeshiva, the, 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 the rabbis or the morot, the teachers say they're on fire. They're on fire. How are they doing? They're on fire. Or a basketball player, you know, when they're, when they're hitting shot after shot, they're in fuego. But they're on fire. There's some passion. There's something that's, that's beyond. There's a superpower that's happening at that moment. That kind of a person, everything that they do is, is, is like burning coals, is on fire. You know, I heard once a description, and we see what I'm doing now, 
this thing in Yiddish, we call it shuckling. You see people maybe when they daven, they're davening like that. So I've heard a lot of explanations about what the, the symbolism that is. A beautiful one I heard, I think, I think, I think, I think that this is somewhere in the writings of the Balatanya, of the, uh, the author of this, of this book, the first rabbi of Chabad, that it's a person that's being likened to a flame. That just as, the, as a wick and the flame that's on it dances back and forth, that that's a person shuckling. Yeah, that a person is, ba- is back and forth, that we're experiencing our soul is being pushed and pulled and pushed and pulled and backwards and forwards, that we're on fire. And that fire sometimes means that, the, that we're dealing and suppressing negative thoughts and bad traits within us that we're pushing that down. We're saying, no, but I want to be good. No, but I want to channel this in the proper direction. We're on fire. So when we turn that cast, when we turn that anger into a shamal, into a fire from above, it's not for naught that the author of this work, that the title of his greatest work, his most enduring and lasting work was called Eish Kodesh, a holy fire. It wasn't the title that he gave to the book, right? But, but it was the title that he became known, known by for, for all of history, the, the Baal Eish Kodesh, right? This, this man right here, right? The, the holy fire, Right? There's a reason that a person that feels such passions and channels such passions into something great. You know, I think of, uh, I think of the great composers. You know, you see uh, Gustavo Dudamel is in town, but, you know, you see Leonard Bernstein, uh, uh, you know, conduct the symphony orchestra. It's almost, there's an anger to it. There's a passion, mm-hmm. right? There's the shaking from it, right? Or you see an athlete after an athlete has a, an incredible, I saw a basketball game last night with my daughter and there was an alley-oop and, and the crowd was fire up and you see the players afterwards like this and there's just, an, there's like a, a holy anger to it. Or you see somebody that's learning and finds a passion and they're, they're shaking their fist at God in the middle of a prayer. There's an anger to it, but it's a positive anger. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what that means to channel in the right way, but this is what the Rebbe focuses on over here. It is possible to serve God. It is possible to do good things with a fire. It is possible to, to, to find passion. Every word that that person speaks of Torah, of philosophy, of being a good person, of encouraging others to be a good person, of their prayers... They're like fires. Right? They talk like fiery coals. Right? When they talk about uh, in yeshiva, sometimes you receive musr. Right? Musr means moral reproach. Right? So basically, a rabbi gets up there and says, do better. Right? I, remember, I remember once in uh, yeshiva university, we would have these talks. I believe it was every Thursday night or Wednesday night. I can't quite remember. And it would be after the, the nighttime learning session, after, after night seder. And usually rabbis would get up right before the evening prayers, right before Marev. The rabbis would get up and they would give, you know, some words of Torah, I guess in an ancillary way. This is not to disparage, God forbid, anything that they were doing. But in an ancillary way, they would give words of Musar, you know, always encouraging us to learn more Torah or, or to do better with our observance of mitzvot, etc., etc., to come on time, you know, to wake up properly, not to go to the late, the late prayers in the morning that were held outside of the main study hall. That was, that was the general. I remember one time a rabbi came in and was talking about cheating. There had been uh, some incidents of plagiarism in the school. And for the first time I saw a rabbi and he said it with an anger. He was, he was angry at us. Not in a bad way, not in a negative way. It was, it was, you know, it was a little bit more than I'm not angry, I'm disappointed. It was a little bit more because he was fired. He said, how could it be that in a yeshiva like this, how could it be that in a yeshiva that there are people who feel that it is possible to cheat on a test? You might legitimize, you might legitimize it to yourself and say, it's a secular class. How dare you? 
It's lying, it's stealing. How could you do such a thing? That's exactly what's going on over here. Chotzef lavo They described as burning coals coming from their lips. That's what it was. V'tvar kasvarav. And he quotes over here from the Bala Tanya, from Rav Shneir Zalman, the author of the Tanya, the first of the seven Rebbe's of Chabad, and, um, and one, of the great, one of the great spiritual geniuses of Jewish history. And the Bala Tanya, Zichron Levracha, may his memory be blessed, he wrote in his Sidur, and this is probably referring to in, in Chabad, they daven Nusach Ari, they daven a unique order of prayers, slightly, ever so slightly different than the ordinary order of prayers they might find in an Ashkenazic or in a Sephardic synagogue in Chabad and Lubavitch. They have their own, uh, their own prayer text. And it's the same prayers in general. I shouldn't make it seem so different. But there's a Siddur that's printed, published called Siddur im Dach. Dach, Dalid, Aleph, Chet, stand for Divrei Elokim Chaim, which are words of the living God. So those are words of explanation and, uh, and excursies on the prayer books that, uh, that were said by the Rebbe, that were said by the Balatanya. So he writes in this parish to the tefillah, to the prayer of Kegavna. Now, a little bit of background is in order. In Nusach Sfard, so in Hasidic prayer customs, so in between Friday night prayers, in between saying the prayers opening the Sabbath, the Psalms that we say opening the Sabbath, that are said traditionally on Friday night, L'chadoti, the beautiful hymns, between that and the formal Arvid evening prayers. So there is a section from the Zohar, from the chief Kabbalistic Jewish text, there's a section from the Zohar called Kegavna. What Kegavna means in Aramaic is, the first line says, Kegavna Basically what it means is, Kegavna is a spectrum. Kegavna is differentiation. Kegavna is like the many different varieties of things, and they come biraza de echad. They all come together in the secret of one. That the essence of Shabbos, the essence of, of that day, is to take everything, all of the efforts, all of the things, everything that's happened during the week, and to put it into one to take stock of what's gone on. Raza de echad. Shabbos is the secret of oneness, the secret of. The all-encompassing one. If you, if you look in certain Kabbalistic texts, that one becomes the one of non-duality. That one becomes the one of, there is no darkness or light. There is no day and night. There is no maybe even beyond good and evil, if you want to get really into it, that you get to this point of, of the profound transcendence that Shabbos represents Kigavna. When he explained this prayer in his commentary, the Balatanya Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Liad, he said, He explains, this is the prayer said after the Psalms of Kabbalat Shabbat. This is what he writes. The heat of anger that comes out of the heat of our hearts. So he wasn't the first person, right? I'm not the first person that describes somebody angry as they're hot, right? They're angry that there's something burning up. If you, uh, what was that movie? Um, Inside Out. Amazing movie. Mm. Everybody seen Inside Out? Ed, have you seen it? So, so your homework. It's, like, it's animated, but it's more. It's more. It's more than animation. It, it is. It is. It is the best way to describe what goes on neurologically. In the brain. It's. It's what yeah. was done. It was done with. Um, right. It was done with neuropsychologists to follow up to it. Soul. So the movie Soul. So my friend, who's a Rebbe in Yeshivato, right? Soul was the follow up to it. Another amazing. Film. So Seoul had, uh, they asked different religious 
figures to serve as advisors to the movie, if you wait all the way to the end of the credits. So he's saying Yeshiva Raita, which is Yeshiva in Israel, they showed this movie, and all the students waited to the end of the credits because Rabbi Judah Dardik, a rabbi who was previously in Oakland and now is in Yeshiva Raita, he served as the Jewish spiritual advisor to the movie Soul for Pixar. So, so my friend Davidal uh, had a, sent us a video of the entire, you know, all the boys in Yeshiva that were there for this movie night. And when it came up, all the way at the end of the credits, you know, right before, you know, thanks to like the unions and United Artists or whatever. So Rabbi Dardik's name is on the screen. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, we got it, we win. And that's, so in the movie Inside Out, anger, one of the key traits is represented by this like kind of like cute cartoon character. But when he gets angry, he blows off his top, starts steaming with smoke, and fire starts shooting out from his head. So they obviously got it from the Balatanya and his parish to the Siddur with Dach, right? Where he says, there's a, there's a warmth, there's a heat, there's a fire. That's an anger that comes from a fire in a person's heart. And there's nothing bad, like we said, deep in the recesses of a person's heart. It's that it's expressed in a bad way when it comes out in anger. But when you feel that anger... How dare the person... I, I always go to the highway, I guess. I don't know. I've, I've become a very calm driver nowadays. I don't... Now I'm like a family, but it wasn't always like that. But somebody cut me off on the highway. I'm going to cut them off. Really? Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to speed. I'm going to speed. And maybe I'll even brake check them. Who knows? Right? I mean, who knows? And I'm going to mean mug them. I'm all, all five nine of me is going to mean mug them down. Right? All because I'm angry. Right? Part, what, what's really inside me, what's really inside me is how dare that person put my life at risk? How dare that person drive so recklessly? How dare that person take a, an automobile, a 4,000 pound machine of death? How dare they drive like that? That's psycho, it's sociopathic behavior. How could they do that? It's coming from a morality. It's coming from a sweet place of saying that this is not the way that the world should work. Instead, it's expressed with anger and I'm doing the exact same thing. Right? It's like... Um, I read like once the Zen meditation about traffic, the Zen of traffic. It said, you're not, you're not in traffic, you are traffic, mm-hmm. right? You sit there and you rage, right? You rage. How could it be? How could it be that the Van Wick is like this right now? You realize at a certain point, it's only like this because of thousands of other people just like me sitting behind the wheel trying to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. If that's a metaphor for life, if that's not a metaphor for life, I don't know. I don't know what it is. So he says... Roteach is the Hebrew word for bubbling over, right? Siroteach, right? In Tanakh, it's called the Sir Nafuach, a bubbling over pot in the prophecies of, uh, of Jeremiah, right? Roteach is boiling. So when you find yourself, this person who's boiling in their tevah, we all know people who are like this, right? The people we know, they run hot, they run cold. Sometimes we have unique, special individuals that could do both. Right? Get you a person who could do both. But a person who's ratchan betivo, and, and the Piazzats and the Rebbe recognizes that people have, have a general nature to them. They have a way about them. They're just telling you that this person's heart can burn hot. This person has passion. This person's a fire within them. And the educator has to recognize that when they're young. Because if you don't take care of it, not to put too fine a point on it, but if you don't try and be sensitive to this when they're young, when it's older, it's much, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. It's not impossible. We talked about how Torah keeps people forever young. But it's very, very hard to change patterns of behavior that become ingrained, that become, the groove is already set. It's very hard to go into and to put the record back in a different spot. 
So he says, that could be Eish HaTshuka. That could be the fire of desire. How might this be, how might this look in a positive way? So if you taught that person the right way and they're still, you don't change a child's essential nature. You don't look at a child who's creative and their heads are up in the clouds and daydreaming and doodling. I, I, I say this all the time to students. You don't look at them like, stop that, don't do that. I forgot which children's book it is. Oh, uh, Iggy Pack Architect, oh, right? Yeah. Iggy, you know, you guys know this book? Oh, they're 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 a little. The they're very. Ada Twist scientist. Ada Twist scientist. She's a Netflix now. No, still not. Okay. Mm. They're very they're they're very cool. If, we'll do if, they're very cool hip children's books, and, and 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 all of it is about children channeling what seem like negative behaviors in the beginning into something <coughs> positive. So I'll tell you parenthetically, we talk, we're everywhere, we're the Kamarna, we're Soul, we're Inside Out, we're Tanya, and now we're going to Iggy Peck Architect. Iggy Peck Architect, Iggy is a young boy and you know, chose him at a young age and he's stacking his diapers and he's like doing all sorts of, he's fascinated by books. And, uh, and his parents, you know, are, uh, you know, good gracious, Ignatius, how could, you, uh, how could you do such a thing? And he has this teacher and this teacher shuts him down. This teacher sees him building out of pencils in the back of the room, beautiful artwork, shuts him down. There won't be any architecture in this class. And then it does like a thing, explains the teacher got stuck in an elevator in a tall building. She doesn't like tall buildings. So Iggy is dejected, withdraws into himself until one day there's a class trip. And the class trip ends up and the bridge breaks. And Iggy Peck is, you know, forced to, to, to jump into motion. And he uses his architectural know-how and skills to build the bridge from the island and to save, what was the name of the teacher, Khani? Oh, I forgot. Miss Greer? Miss, yes, Miss Li- Lila Greer. Miss Lila or Lila Greer. She's the same teacher in every book. She's the same teacher. <laughs> she, she, hates, she hates architects. Miss um, Lila Greer is finally able to cross from the island that where they've been Iceland. She, and she sees Iggy Pack made the bridge. And now Iggy Pack, you know, he's sitting with the book from the Kobasier and from Iempe, and he's, uh, he's able to engage deeply in his passion. That's a way of saying that if we look at children's natural proclivities and our first instinct is to suppress, our first instinct is to, is, to, is to eradicate that proclivity, then we're doing something wrong. It might very well be that there are certain behaviors and certain things. I don't really think that there's necessarily a place for selfishness or for arrogance. Right? There's certain traits that the Torah tells us that we really don't have a place for that. Even, even in arrogance, for example, the Gemara says, the Talmud says, a shmini shed a shmini. It's an eighth of an eighth a person should hold on to. So you don't turn yourself into something too low. An eighth of an eighth you should have. Or we talk about, you know, sometimes in the service of God or doing the right thing, but yikba liba bedark yashem. Says about King David that is he was he was almost elevated above others. He elevated his heart, you know, what we could call maybe even a little bit of arrogance in the ways of God. So our places where, but if our first instinct is suppressed, then we're doing something wrong. The first instinct should be to look at the behavior and say, how could this be sublimated? How could this be channeled? That's parenting. That's education, especially when things are hard. Because when things are easy, okay, you know, you're on autopilot. Things are, and there's ways to, by the way, also parenthetically, just as important as it is to know how to handle negative behaviors, it's also just as important, I think, to know how to handle positive behaviors. A child does something good, a child does something that you're really impressed with, 
And you don't go and say to them, it's my favorite thing to say to a student. Maybe you've heard me say it to your kids, to say to them on Shabbos, I said it to them also when we were learning. I said, um, you know, a sincere, heartfelt, I am so proud of you, right? And to solidify, right? Keep that up. You have no idea how, how that makes me feel to see you do that. That's also, it's, it's just as bad. It's just as bad when you mess up the good things as when you mess up the bad things. Right? It's just as important. So he says, This person who's a ratchan, who's, who's hot and has anger inside their hearts, when they see anything bad within them, they'll be angry at themselves. Right? And anger and passion that's directed inward, that's something that's extremely powerful. That kind of person, they could, you'll move mountains, kid. So they'll take their good inclination and they'll say, let me get my good inclination angry. Right? Let me get my good inclination to a place where it could do something. I mean, it's, that's, the, that's the idea of the Hulk, right? You won't like me when I get angry. But if you channel it the right way, you know, you'll save civilization, right? So he says, this means that a person should be able to awaken their positive instincts and their positive desires to find that passion that's the writer that writes all night. That's the painter that creates the magnificent canvas in one fell swoop of creative inspiration. That's the, that's, the, uh, that's the singer who's singing now at the top of their lungs, you know, belting it out because they found something good and, and, they, and they aroused themselves. They put themselves into the place where that fire came out of something good. And when you focus that inward on negative traits, you say, oh, how could I talk to that person like that? Oh, how could I do that? How could I be so stupid? How could I have messed up like that? How could I have hurt that person? That's how the Rebbe over here, the Piazetsu says, that's a positive. They will eradicate and destroy the evil within. Where does that run into a potential bad point? It's when they, see, when they see other people doing negative bad things. They get angry at them. We find people, right? The word for this in Hebrew is kanaas, zealousness. So sometimes that zealotry could be really bad when you see other people doing things that you think are, are wrong. And you'll get up and you start yelling and doing the wrong thing. But the truth is, is that if a person's already figured out how to channel and how to control this, he says, instead of going up to them and saying, you know, that thing that you did was so wrong, how dare you? Instead, they'll learn how to take the anger that they feel about seeing what's wrong and they'll, and, and they'll say and do the right thing. One of my favorite lines comes from Cook as well. It appears in Arfali Torah. It's one of the most famous lines from Cook. He says, The purely righteous, or they do not curse the darkness, but rather they increase light. I think he says, they don't get angry at evil, but they increase good. That should be the mode in which we go. But the only people that are going to be strong enough to stand up to something like that, the only people that are going to be strong enough to do something like that is the people that feel that anger in the first place. If you're just part of, you're just like, ah, to each their own, right? All right, whatever. You know, it's wrong to see people cut people off in traffic. You should go and take that anger and say, you know, we need uh, stricter rules on the roads or something like that. You could channel all these things positively. He says, lo yezalzli charif. It's not just going to say, oh, let's let it go. Diburim rak shutim itabro. Say simply and correctly, this is what needs to be done. Aval diburim asherki yorek halachas yiratvu yam zoyef mikir beyushdefu. I'll take the burning anger, the burning desire to say and to do what's right within them, and instead of it washing over echlin gami nishmas zulasa kochalev ekasim masvi yikaru. This is how to effectively call people out. I've never seen, I've never seen, at least in my own practice, that calling out a student in front of others for bad behavior actually fixes that behavior. 
Right? So when you see a child that's angry, to call them out for the things that they're doing, it's not going to work like that child I talked about before. It's just not going to happen. You see your, your kid at home angry, say, why are you so angry? Why are you, why are you having such a temper tantrum? It's just not going to work. The first step always is to calm down. The first step always is to be the voice of calm and then to talk it out possibly and say, how can, we, how can we look at this the right way? I think it's amazing that besides the Baal Shem Tov, besides the founder of Hasidut, the first thinker that the Piazetz Rebbe quotes over here is the Alter Rebbe, is the first Lubavitcher Rebbe. I think I have this wonderful book, uh, Teachings of the Rebbe on Chinuch, the Lubavitcher Rebbe. He's, uh, again, he's on the side over there. I always have to say hello. My son says goodnight to him every Every night, uh, trying. Good night, Rabbi. Right, so, first of all, I want to read you one beautiful thing. So, they collect, this is really an internal book. I think it's printed, uh, published by anash.org. So, it's, I think it's meant for, for Lubavitch Hasidim, of which I am not. But the Rebbe, I think, the seventh Lubavitch Rebbe, our Rebbe. So, he, he made a point, right? I think his biggest, most famous proclamation in the 70s that President Carter signed, or President Reagan, I forgot which one, was Education Day USA. They got a congressional declaration of a day when all, of, when all of the nation learns about the seven Noahide laws. Education, chinuch, teaching young children. I mean, if you want a good cry, you could watch videos of the Rebbe with young children, the way he treated and the way he focused on them, almost more, almost more than anybody else, the love they showered on them, especially without uh, his own children. The Rebbe writes, and I want to show you the point over here, which I think he's channeling his great ancestor, the first Rebbe, the first Rebbe Lubavitch. He says the purpose, this is from a letter. This is from a letter of the Lubavitch Rebbe. He says the purpose of Chinuch, the purpose of Jewish education, is to bring up the Jewish child, boy or girl, to a life of the utmost possible degree of perfection, religiously as well as morally and ethically. Talk about a mission statement. And then with regards to anger, he was asked in a letter, this appears in his Igros, his letters, volume 10, page 293. I think it's run something like 40 volumes of letters. But he writes, when difficulties arise in Chinuch, in the education of a child, for example, in the case of a child who has an overabundance of energy and acts wildly, one should not be intimidated or alarmed by this. That's also important. You cannot show that you are thrown off by that. You cannot, right? Sometimes it's the panic. It's the panic. Oh my, my child's displaying this behavior. I don't know how to react. That's, that's really bad. Even if you don't know how to react, keep calm and carry on. It's going to be, even, even if you don't know what to do with the blitz, you keep calm and carry on, you figure it out. As things go on, you build resilience by doing that. But if you panic and you show all your cards, and you're not going to be acting from a place of, again, that word equanimity and calm and patience, but you're acting out of, pla- of, a, of a place of saying, if I don't eradicate this thing right here, right now, I will have lost. When you turn into that kind of a battle, you will lose. You will lose. It's just not going to work out. He says, don't be intimidated or alarmed. On the contrary, this zerizus, this eagerness and energy should be channeled in a good direction. Tovla shamayim, that should be good for the heavens and the child's relationship with God, enabling the child to increase in energy and enthusiasm for Torah study and fulfillment of mitzvot, and tovla briot, good for the creations, enabling him to increase in their energy and enthusiasm for bestowing goodness upon their peers. Right? So he's basically saying to us two things. The first is when you encounter these kind of difficulties, don't worry. Right? It's natural, it's normal, normalized. And the second is, is recognize this trait that his ancestors, holy ancestors saying is of, of, of channeling, of sublimation, of recognizing that there's something good to be found here. Can we do another five minutes? Right? I, we've, we've done a paragraph, I apologize. But, um, but this is really important. I will also say that in the Tanya, 
I'm not going to read it inside over here, but in chapter 30 of the Tanya, this is all available in English. In chapter 30 of the Tanya, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, uh, the Admar Zakin, he talks about when a person finds themselves, he's, he's referencing the Gemara and Masechta and Tractate Brachot, which says, that when a person finds lust, desire, anger, energy, right? it's always for the bad things that we have energy. It's always for the bad things that we want to pick up our feet and run to. It's so much easier for us sometimes to say a negative word about somebody or a negative word about our, our kid even than to say something positive because we want to indulge in that. We want to indulge in that emotion. So he says, what we mean by being margis, by arousing, by igniting this positive inclination means that we have to find within ourselves that energy to do good things. Lubavitcher Rebbe himself had a line. He says, the right time to do the right thing is right away. I think Dr. King also had a line like that. It's always the right time to do the right thing. You have something good. You wanna, right? I had this, this juke in my head that I want to write a letter to every student before they went off on Pesach break today. And of course I pushed it off, but said once I had it, I needed to do it before the end of the day. Needs to happen. We must find within ourselves those reserves of energy for positive things and to indulge, to indulge in positive behaviors. Right, right now, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like I had this like idea in the back of my head that I want to go for that run. I want to feel better. I want to feel physically better. I had that idea to go ahead and to pick up those flowers for that person. I had the idea in my head to push myself to, um, to say, hey, to my kid, let's go play a game. When I could be sitting on the couch chilling out with uh, my phone or a book, right? That positive energy needs to be stimulated, aroused, energized, ignited, just like those negative traits. And the Gemara tells us that when if one encounters their evil inclination that wants to drag them down into negative character traits, into negative desires, so it says the main thing that a person can do, the only fight, it's not going to be by suppressing or resisting because you will lose, right? In the big book of uh, Jewish humor, uh, old book by Moshe Waldux, there was a cartoon I remember and it said that the, the rabbi used to always confuse the Satan by giving in immediately, right? That was, you know, he didn't even put up a fight. But giving in immediately, instead of putting up that losing fight, instead channel it into something positive. You'll always win that way. You'll always say, if you, if you are Marcus, you say, I'm going to take that fire, I'm going to take that energy and put it there, I will win. So now I, I want to leave you guys on a, on a, a big cliffhanger. I told you that this is, this is the part that's hardest for me to teach because there's a historical point over here and I want to be very careful, but I want to leave you with this because we are going to be off for two weeks and then we'll hopefully reconvene and, uh, and God willing, all the people that, uh, that have been listening along, you know, they'll be here. It's the energy of being in, in, in person together with people. I think uh, I appreciate you guys being here very much. Really energizes me. Why did the Rebbe write this book? Why is he focusing on, on education in such an intimate, deep way? It's because he saw something happening in his generation, he saw something happening in the interwar years that he saw was a massive problem. We're going to read this paragraph. I'm going to warn you, there's a lot here that really, really needs to be unpacked. But I'm going to leave you like a good, uh, like a good serialized TV show and leave you on a cliffhanger, okay? On this, our heart is broken, depressed, and our hair stands on end. When we see the young generation now, into our period, how they have become kofr. They've thrown off the yoke. Kofr means denial of everything good, of God, of Torah, of their nation, of the Jewish people. And they're filled with heretical 
anti-Torah, anti-Jewish thoughts, Rahmanul Litzlan, may God save us from this. Ain Bolo Emuna, they don't have faith. Lo Yira, there's no fear of anything. Velo Torah, and there's no Torah in them. Their anger is channeled to their people, to their Torah, to their tradition, to their heritage. And they hate it. It's not mincing words here. They hate it. They hate being Jewish. They hate what it means to be Jewish. Now, historically, this was correct. I'll say in the the end, there's a line over here about seeing Batei Midrash, Yeshivot, Jewish schools, Jewish institutions, synagogues emptied of people. I believe it's um, for Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, who was a, a great Torah leader of the previous generation. He said, you don't understand. You understand, in the yeshivas in Europe, before the Second World War, he said, people have this image in their mind. And there were great yeshivot, to be sure, and the quality of those who were, who were there learning was immense. And the, the privation and the difficulties that they stood in under. It wasn't that there wasn't Torah, but in many of the yeshivas, he said, there would be certain times there would be almost no one left. All the isms of the early 20th century, right? All of these things that had started, communism, socialism, Buddhism, Zionism, all of these movements that had come up, nationalism, that had come up, people for the first time waking up and saying, I don't need to be stuck in this Jewish thing. I don't need to be stuck in this, in the walls of this issue. There's a whole wide world out there. There are big, heady ideas that are emerging in the world and I want to be a part of that. And he says, that, that grew, and you had people. We're not talking about your run-of-the-mill, uh, you know, secular, this word, secular Jews. These were people who knew. These were people who grew up with this knowledge and marshaled that knowledge against, against it. You know, when you, when you look at, like, anti-Israel uh, debates, some of the most risable, awful figures in that world are the people, are the Israelis who went all the way off the deep end. Right? I'm thinking there's like this professor, Shlomo Sand, of Russia. Right? There's this guy, Gidon Levy. Right? There's, there are people that grew up in Israel, understand what it is there, and they became, right? and everybody looks at them, oh, it's an Israeli who's saying this. And they become the most difficult, miserable voices about this. That's, what he's, that's the kind of anger that he's, I mean, you see the Rebbe displaying Sonim, they have a hatred for their nation. So the, the educators and the heads of yeshivas, the rabbis, they're sitting in their yeshivas with their students. To our great pain, all they see are the great students, are the most committed students from Litzarenu. To our great distress, says the Rebbe. I finish with this paragraph. Miss Nachman and Lamor, they comfort themselves. These rabbis comfort themselves by saying, it's true that a lot of people have left. It's true a lot of people have overthrown the yoke of their Judaism, have overthrown the yoke of the Torah. Free. Don't worry. Jewish people are not bereft. Look around me in my yeshiva. I have 10 really strong people. They know all of the Gemara. They know everything. Isn't that great? The Rebbe is not mincing words. He says, Litzarenu. this is what they say. Aval Yoshituna is almost sarcastic where he says, Yoshituna ilas Rosham Chutzmiar Bamoshay. Maybe they might just stick their heads four amot, four cubits outside of their yeshivas, out of their schools. Look outside and see all the people that they're missing. All the people that they're not reaching. Maybe they should uh, pick themselves up from, from the Gemaras and open the doors of the yeshiva and look outside and, and see what's going on. 
It's, it's a, almost a rehashing, a destruction of Jerusalem. Schools, yeshivot, places of Torah learning, of Judaism that have become empty. Think about that recollection, I believe of Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. We're not talking about people over here that, that, are, that have different levels of observance or come from different backgrounds. We're talking about people over here that use their knowledge, that use the place that they came up from and, and went out against it. That went out and said all of this lies, went and spoke to everybody and wrote works denying everything and ruining it and sullying the name of Judaism and Torah, God forbid. Even in the hoi poloi, even in, in, in people outside, workers, professionals, all these people that once upon a time knew what it meant to be connected to God and to Torah. They were, even if they didn't learn Torah, even if they weren't connected to the ins and outs of Yeshiva, there's still people that they knew what it was. They were, they were faithful to their people. Proud Jews. Proud Jews. So he says, We see that they've gone, they're lost. They're lost. So these rabbis, are they going to be happy with just these students, just a small percentage, the she'iris, the remainder that's left, that remnant? Are they going to recognize that we have a problem? And what he's calling for here is he's saying that the way that we educate, the way that we're teaching people, that we've done, you know, for 2,000 years up to this point. At this point in 1930s, Europe, something needs to change. We need to be able to speak a Judaism. We need to be able to speak a Torah. that's going to reach people and understand that there's a wide world out there. People are expressing anger against it. We have to understand how to channel those behaviors. We have to find a new curriculum. This is his call. This is his clarion call. I've left a lot unsaid right now. I want to talk about what I mean when I talk about for nowadays, right? I want to be very clear that um, how do we understand these passages nowadays in 2023 where there's an entire Jewish world where, where one might look and say, oh, but, you know, the people are learning Torah, you know, well, there's a lot, but it's only a small fraction of Jewish people. How, how do we do so in a way that remains true to, the, to a broad Jewish identity? Many people have never seen yeshiva, never had the privilege of a Jewish education, want to get into that, and I have a whole mindset about how to broaden it. That was what the rest of these books are here for, but we are going to have to do that another time because I've already gone way overboard. Um, I want to wish you guys